Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your hand upon this time. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you've cleared out things so we could be present. And now, Lord, we pray that those that are at home watching and worshiping in their house, that their home would be a sanctuary right now and they would be fully present to experience you. And that those that were able to make it here, Lord, that you would clear their minds of the things that they have to do when they leave or the situations that they had before coming in here, that they'd be able to be fully in this moment. Remove me so that we can all learn from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You, you may have been like me uh, when I was younger. I liked to dance a lot. And now that I'm getting a little bit older, I still like to dance, but my body hurts after I dance. So I don't really dance no more. But back when I was younger, I really loved to dance. And I still remember my eighth grade dance. That was the first actual party that I attended. And if, you, and if you're a parent here and you didn't get one of those purple bags, raise your hand and we'll try to bring you a little kit for your kid to try to help give them a chance to be able to uh, color and do some little activities while we're worshiping the Lord. And, and so my eighth grade dance was like the bomb. It was the, uh, the, the dance that I looked forward to all year because I was going to battle this other dude that was pretty dope in dancing and see y'all don't know about battle dancing like we knew about battle dance you want me to do something uh, no nah, I'm hold out so we get to the dance and I'm ready to do this battle type action but then there's this little cutie that I kind of like and I'm giving the, the strength to kind of get me get my first ask of another of a, of a girl to actually dance and and you can imagine what went down the DJ's equipment broke. All the hype, all the hope, all the joy, gone. Just as we about to leave, he get on the mic and say, the party ain't over. He got another chord, another something, and before we knew it, we start rocking and everybody started getting it and kicking it, and we end up having a ball. But for a moment, it was like my joy was shattered. My joy was taken. The joy was stolen. But how beautiful it was to hear that it ain't over. Family, today, as we talk about Jesus, as we get a chance to dive into God's word, there's a beautiful story found in scripture that even though it seemed like joy had been stolen from the people of God, the story wasn't over. Join me in John, the book of John. You probably have it uh, right there with you. We're going to be in about the 20th chapter. Last week, Pastor Kay uh, preached for us, and he preached about this, this, whole, this, this shout of Hosanna. He preached about this triumphal entry of Jesus, our King, coming in. And as Jesus came in, the people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Started off as a cry for God but it moved towards a celebration of who God was. And so as the people saw him coming in and they shouted and celebrated that, that, that this king was now here, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel, we saw people acknowledging Jesus as king. And as Pastor Kay said, a 
different type of king than maybe we expect, but a king nonetheless. And maybe that's a question number one for you and I. Who's the king of your life? What does it mean to be a king? What does it mean to reign? What does it mean to rule? It means who has authority? Who's the person in charge? Who gets to dictate good and bad? Who is the one that sets the rules? Who's the one that is in control? Oftentimes it's us. Oftentimes we say, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And God's looking like, you sure you want to go that route? I remember me and my friends, we would, we would kick it. And now that I'm 45, I ain't say that, I'm 22. Now that I'm 45 and I have kids, I remember back when I was 13. And when I was 13, I would say to my friend, hey, man, let me give you some advice. <laughs> and then my 13-year-old friend would say to me, hey, man, let me tell you what to do. And, and, it, and it was kind of, kind of foolish. It actually was the, the blind leading the blind. See, that's what happens when Satan fools us into believing that we don't need God as a, as a king, that we can be our own king. We are simply walking around here blind, trying to give little advice here and there, but really we're walking in darkness. And so Hosanna, Hosanna is acknowledging that Jesus is king and that we would submit our lives unto him. But there was another king. See, if Jesus is the king of all, there was this king that wanted to conquer Jesus and his name was Satan. And his rule was down here on earth. His rule was here. His rule was, was, was designed to deceive you was designed to see you hurt, was designed to see you fall. And so what he wants to do is trick you and die. And he, not realizing it, tried to trick Jesus. He tries to see Jesus fall. He tempts Jesus, tries to get Jesus to worship him. And so he realizes, well, wait, 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 this is God's son. God's son who died for humanity, who, who loves humanity, who's here for humanity. And so what Satan wants to do is punish you and I through Jesus. And so we have this situation in Good Friday where Satan thinks he's about to win by punishing Jesus. Looks somewhat good to him. Seems like it's all going to work out and Jesus will be crushed. So Jesus goes through some some situations none of us could have imagined. Jesus has a crown of thorns put upon his head. Jesus is beaten. Jesus is is dedicated and decided and celebrated many times as innocent. Yet continue to be tried and beaten. Jesus ultimately ends up having his body nailed to a cross. And Satan thinks he's winning. And that pain, that, that, that hurt, that turmoil that he went through, the whole time Satan is smiling like we finally got him. 
But the beauty of the story is that as Jesus was going through all those things, Satan thought he was winning, but Jesus saw you and I with each lash that he took. He said, I see you and you are worth it. So as they beat me, I know that this is just an example of my love for you. As they hurt me, I just see that it's an example of my care for you. As I see you being deceived by Satan, I'll endure this so you can be freed. And ultimately, that's what happens. Ultimately, Satan is defeated because of what Jesus does on the cross. He dies so that you and I can be free. We experience this crazy type of, 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 uh, of addiction almost, this, this sin pattern that continues to play out cycle after cycle. And Jesus says, wait, let me disrupt that by dying for you so that you can be broken from that cycle. That cycle. I want you to turn with me because that story gets repeated often. And don't get me wrong, like when I was young, uh, I, used, I, I still love it. I used to love gold and wear gold a lot. Big gold bracelets, gold chains, uh, dope gold crosses. I still like gold, I just don't wear it as much because my kids need shoes. Um, <laughs> But there's this, there's the, the image that you have of, of a baller rapper, of whoever, and their, their Jesus piece is just flooded. And the, and the cross is an image that we should have that helps us remember that Jesus conquered something for us. But the more I learn about God, the more I understand this word, the more I understand his love, I think we should start wearing an empty cross, an empty casket. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 through 19. They'll be up on the screen. It says, and I'm sorry, somebody get, let me know what page we on, because some folks flipping, I want them to be able to get there. What page we on? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know I made you jump there quick. Keep that finger back in John, though. 1640, page 1640. Starting at verse 14, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your what? Sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this we have hope in Christ, we are of all, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's basically saying, look, Jesus went through some crazy stuff. Jesus, like, like, loved you so much that he endured a road none of us could imagine. Jesus was different. Jesus healed people. When folks was hungry, Jesus fed people. When folks were crying, Jesus showed up to provide compassion. Jesus was different than all of us. 
But if Jesus just died, I can do that. Jesus ain't no different than you and I. Because one thing's for certain, I mess up a whole bunch of stuff. One thing I'm pretty sure I'm going to get right is I'm going to die okay. I'm going to die. But see, if, if Jesus just dies, he's just like every other person beforehand. Go back to Exodus. They was doing all types of little miraculous stuff. As Moses got touched and was doing miracles, the demonic dudes was doing miracles too. Miracles don't mean you God. But it was something special, something miraculous, something only God could do that could raise a person from the dead. And it is because of that reality that now we get to build our faith on something. We get to say, hold up. Everything seemed kind of crazy to me. Life seemed like I didn't understand it. You said somebody rose from the grave. I'm rolling with that. You, you said y'all saw dude die and then you saw him living. OK, I'll align my life with that. Look with me. Come back back to John. I, I love that 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 the Bible does not talk about Jesus just in facts. He places facts in the lives of people. There's an application. I used to, uh, I used to, 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 to my, my parents are amazing. They would try to teach me stuff as a, as a child. And they would teach me math. And I remember in like the third grade, or maybe the second grade, they was teaching us money. And they had this like perforated sheet in the back that was like fake money. Uh, and you would tear it out, use the money, try to give somebody a quarter, get a quarter back, and you try to like get your math going to learn stuff. And, and, and math was okay. I, I was always a decent student. But when my mama gave me $3 and told me to go to the store and that I could buy something, y'all, my math got dope. See, math was just an idea when the money was play. And even when the money was hers, she told, I come back, here you go, what is this, boy? You ain't even count the money. Like when it's a, but when she made the money mine, <laughs> I said, uh-uh, hold up, where my other penny, dude? Give me my penny, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, it became real. And so this resurrection piece was, it was clear, Jesus lived, but he put it in the lives of of a bunch of people, we'll talk about three. We're going to talk about Mary, Thomas, and Peter. Mary, Thomas, and Peter. Look at me, chapter 20, verse 11. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over, looked into the tomb, saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked, woman, why are you crying? Now, now, now. She's crying because Jesus isn't, isn't there and she don't know what's going on, but they got the insight. They, got the, they, they, they know what's happening, and so because they know he's living, they're looking at her like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Verse 13, they have taken my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him in this. She turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that she told him the things that he had said unto her. Who was this sister Mary? Mary was a woman that had been touched by Jesus. Mary was a woman that had seen the extremes. She had been on the extreme ups and the extreme downs. Mary was healed from a demon. Not just one demon, not just two demons. Mary was healed from seven demons. And I know that some of that gets like weird to us because we're like, what are demons? Like, ooh, you see spooky ghosts running around? Like, what's going on here? But, but we got some demons today. We've got some demonic spirits that, that consume people today. I will call them addictions. We could say the Internet. We could say food. We could say our phones. We could say gambling. We could say trafficking. We could say nicotine. Let's stay on alcohol. Alcohol contributes to 60 types of disease, multiple cancers, epilepsy, and is one of the high uh, and contributes to high statistics on murder and motor vehicle accidents. It is a worldwide problem. And it will grab you and wake you up in the middle of the night. I can say for sure, like, like, like uh, as your pastor, I'm cool with the cancel culture, meaning that, that when people like do something in their past and it's jacked up, we hold them accountable. I'm cool with that. It's not perfect. It's got its flaws. I'm cool with that. But your pastor might be canceled. Because under the influence of alcohol, I did some stuff that's so stupid. To be honest, I don't even remember it. And my friends told me about it. But if there's a video out there, you're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> that's your pastor. Alcohol is a demonic Spirit, that doesn't mean that, that if you take a drink, you like, I'm not saying all, I'm saying the addiction of alcohol has led families to crumble, has destroyed people's lives. So, so, so what do you base demonic spirits on? Is it that you are possessed and floating somewhere or is it that it destroys somebody's life? And it says that Mary experienced seven of these types of destructive things in her life. But Jesus, but Jesus touched her, but Jesus healed her. Those seven were not stronger than Jesus. And so she was then healed. And so she went from one of the lows to them being on the high, because now it says that Mary with Joanna was contributing to Jesus's ministry. What's that mean? That means that Jesus was ministering 
she had the bread. Mary was having the money. Mary was the one holding it down, making sure that the ministry could happen. So she goes from being overwhelmed by these demonic spirits to being an investor in kingdom advancement. Look at the way God uses it. And then he he flips over the world by saying, you know what? The first person I'm going to reveal myself to, the first person I'm going to show myself to, I know y'all think it should be a certain man of a certain stature of a certain, I'm going to show myself to a woman, a woman who y'all might think is lower. No, 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 no. You better make some adjustments. You better understand the, the way in which I view women. And I want her to go tell the men. I want her to be a voice to the men. You see, this Jesus steps into the life of people and his resurrection changes things, changes society, changes the way people act, the way people conduct themselves. Continue with me. We're going to look at Thomas. But one of the things that, that, that I just want to make sure we don't miss about Mary is that Mary... Mary experienced something that many of us go through. Mary saw Jesus dying, and she didn't just see a man dying. She saw hope dying. She saw the the dream of a new day dying. She she saw what what was clearly communicated as he would say things like, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. As Jesus was saying, uh, um, in all your ways, submit to him and God will make your path straight. As he would say these things like your father in heaven gives good gifts. Those things you simply need to ask of him as, as Jesus would say, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have light, the light of life. He's saying these things and now he's gone. And the hope of a new kingdom seemed to have fade away. But then Mary puts on the track shoes, y'all, laces them up, and runs and tells the story. You don't do that if you haven't experienced a resurrected God. You don't go before men and look foolish and crazy unless you've seen a risen Savior. But some of us get caught slipping. We might get caught slipping like our brother Thomas. Turn with me, John 20. Now look at verse 24. And, 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 and don't, uh, I'm about to tell you some things about Thomas, but don't get it twisted. Thomas was, oh, see, I'm about to date myself. This dude named Master P used to have a song called Bout It. If you bout it, bout it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, it, it, he, he just was a rider. You know what I'm saying? He, he was like, it was all, and, and, and Thomas was about that life. Like, like, like in John 11, it says Jewish leaders were planning to kill Jesus, and, and Thomas told all the disciples, let's go. We're going to go and die with Jesus today. That, that was his posture. But he had this experience where, where sometimes things just don't line up. Look with me in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into the side, 
I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Doubt, y'all. Doubt will cripple you. Doubt will will mess with you because because when you doubt, you can't see a way forward. Doubt is a a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. When, when, When a scenario just doesn't seem to add up. Wait a minute. So you telling me the Jesus that I know, the Jesus that I walked with, the Jesus that I just saw on a cross die. You telling me he revealed himself to everybody except me. Okay. You, you, you can begin to understand where the doubt comes from because he's trying to, trying to make these things add up. If Jesus is real and he's living, then why haven't I seen him? And, 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 and help, me, help me get how to make sense of something that doesn't, doesn't compute because I saw him die. And so now... He is in a place where his doubt is greater than his belief. And that can be the case for many of us. Where our hope begins to fade, where where we're in the middle of a situation and we're saying, God, this don't add up. I don't know how you're going to make this come through. I'm fed up and I'm just done. I I remember being at that place um, I, had, I was in college and uh, was trying to date a few little different girls and um, uh, started to like, you know, get to know somebody and thought they was the one, wasn't working out, wasn't working out, think it's going to work out, not work out. And it just was like, you know what, I got to a point where I was like, Lord, it just ain't in the cards for me. I'm just about to be a, a single dude the rest of my life and I'm good with that. I'm good because I was trying, y'all. I'm out here trying. I'm like, you know, trying to live right. And, and, and some of my singles out here, y'all know, when you're trying to live right, everything comes. Like when you fast and folks try to bring you chocolate cake, you know what I'm saying? When you just, it's like the more you try not to do, the more everybody, but, oh, I see you in that dress, girl. How you do? You know, like everybody be coming out the woodwork. Y'all know y'all singles. And you're trying to live a certain way. And for me, it just wasn't adding up. God, I don't know how you're going to do this because everybody in my sphere, I've exhausted. Ain't nobody else. And I didn't ask the grandmas to ask their nieces if they got, you know, like I didn't, I didn't went the route. How, how you going? So I'm just, all right. And then walks in this fine young thing. But y'all, if I could be honest, the way the Lord lined up our reconnection, it didn't make sense to me. It, 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 like it, was, it had to be a God thing. And, and, and you have been there in a lot of places, whether it's your work, whether it's your money, whether it's you have the opportunity to doubt all the time. 
doubt God's ability to come through for you. But yet, he says, believe. Don't believe just when I show up and I give you evidence, though he has done that time and time again. Don't forget, Thomas had rolled with Jesus. Thomas seen the miracles. Thomas watched people get healed. Thomas watched people get fed. He had been with Jesus. But don't it take one bad moment for you to forget all the good? And this was one of his bad moments. But Thomas, I say because the, the, the resurrection is real, because Jesus' real life, because his, his resurrection moves into actual application in our lives, he transforms Thomas. Thomas goes on as a missionary, and much of India would equate the churches in India back to Thomas. See, Thomas didn't doubt and just was defeated. He doubted. Then he saw the risen Savior. And seeing the risen Savior does something to us. It enters into our life. Whether you marry and you got a, a, a past of, of, of struggles or whether you Thomas and you have doubted along the way, the risen Savior gives you the opportunity at new life. He fills us and moves us forward. Lastly, our brother Peter. Pete, doggy dog. Pete was, uh, he was a guy that was uh, down for the cause. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. Peter stepped out the boat and walked on water. Peter was one of the first 12 to declare, to declare Jesus as God. But here, what is key in the example of Peter is that Peter denied Jesus previous to this. That, that Peter uh, uh, walked closely with Jesus, but he was in a spot. And we don't know if it was fear. We don't know if it was worry. We don't know all of the emotions that Peter felt. What we do know is that Jesus said something to him that Peter never thought would happen. He said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, me? <laughs> I cut ears for you, Jesus. Me? Okay. But Jesus never lies. And Peter denies him not once. Peter denies him not twice. Peter denies him three times. And their culture was no different than our culture. Deny someone, and it's like a breaking of trust. Let you hear that your good friend is with some other people talking about you and don't stick up for you. Let you hear that everybody on Facebook clowning you and they making comments about you too. Let you hear a situation where someone that you love, that you care about, that you hold dear to you, betrays you. See, denial ain't something that's old school. Denial happens today. And it hurts it hurts. It's not that physical thing. And you know how folks say sticks and stones will break your bones. Man, those words will cut you. 
it'll cut to your core. You could physically be driving and cool and you remember when somebody wronged you and it take you back. Take you back to anger or take you back to sorrow. And Jesus felt that. While he predicted it, he also felt it because he loved Peter. Loved him dearly. But, but, but Jesus lives and enters into the life of Peter anew. And so now he comes back talking to Peter, giving Peter some, some, some fresh perspective. Would you and I say to a denier these words? Chapter 21 of John, verse 15, he says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And at the end of verse 19, he said, and follow me. Some people think that it's, it's, it's if he denied him three times and that turned his back, he asked him this question three times so he could be fully forgiven. There's all types of assumptions of why he asked three times. What we know here is that Jesus is communicating something to Peter that models he's fully restored, made a new man, and that Peter accepts this new responsibility. Why? Because Jesus lives. This Peter that denied him and saw him on a cross, saw him dead, saw him in a tomb, now is the one who's charged with building the church, and he goes forth doing so. You see, this is, this is a risen Savior, but it's in real life. And the question is, do you identify with Peter? Maybe you've denied God some in your life. Maybe you are like Mary and, and have had some stuff where you feel like it just gripped you and God was the last thing that you talked about. Maybe you had some Thomas motives where, where you doubted God. Because he lives, you and I can be restored. And that is the beautiful message on Easter. It's, it's not simply what Jesus went through, which is true. It's that because he lives, you get to live and I get to live afresh. We're not bound by the mistakes we made. Our past is not what shackles us. We get to start living new life because he lives a new life. He is alive. And when you got some time, go check out Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Peter models God after this situation. He goes and starts preaching to the very people that had crucified Jesus. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm, I, I'm, I believe God and I'm going to submit. But if somebody jump one of y'all and then I see him on the street, I don't know if they're just going to get a sermon. <laughs> it might not go down like but see, Jesus, but see, Peter saw the best way to serve them was for them to know Christ. And so he preached 
to the very people that had just crucified Jesus. He don't need to be angry no more. Why? Because Jesus is living. What, what I'm sorry about, Jesus is alive. I, wanna, I want you to get the purpose of why we celebrate Easter and even why the whole book of John, and dare I say the whole Bible is written. John chapter 21, starting at verse 30. John chapter 21, starting at verse 30. And if you've been with John with me, and you just keep scrolling down, I'm just there. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is not just stories for us. This is so that we may have true faith and actually live out our faith on a daily. Church family, God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. But he loves you even more than just seeing your sin washed away. He actually wants to see you flourish in life. He wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you experience life more abundantly. And so he conquered the grave, lives so that you and I may live. On this Resurrection Sunday, think, what does him living mean for me today? When am I maybe tempted to doubt or deny? But what does his new life mean for me every day? Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you. And we believe, Lord. Like many of these kids were just praise dancing and singing out to you, Lord, we believe. May the, the, the reality of what you've done for us on a cross, settle in our hearts. And may we be uplifted and motivated by the tomb being empty. The casket is empty. As my boy said today, Jesus is gone. And so may that fill us to, to live for you afresh. You worked through broken people. You use the beauty of Mary, the beauty of Thomas, the beauty of Peter, and you want to use the beauty of us for your glory. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.